Welcome to the Staying Golden podcast, where you can catch a glimpse of the journey after Laurie through interview sessions with Laurie alumni. We would like to acknowledge that Wilfrid Laurie University and its campuses are located on the shared traditional territory of the Neutral, Anishinaabe, and Haudenosaunee peoples. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Staying Golden podcast. I'm your host, Ayanfe Aini. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce our guest, Junaid, a laureate alum with a journey that spans the world of business, music, tech, and entrepreneurship. He graduated from Laurie in 2025 with a degree in business, majoring in accounting. What followed was a dynamic trajectory that took him from pursuing a CPA designation to becoming a touring DJ playing for global icons like Justin Bieber. In December 2022, Janaid resigned from his job to embark a transformative 60-day trip around the USA and then a three-month international tour across Asia, Australia, and New Zealand. During his travels, he identified a critical gap in the investment literacy and embarked on a mission to make learning about finances engaging and accessible. Together with a talented team, he launched StockShock, an innovative project that recently secured funding on Kickstarter. Janaid, your profile sounds amazing, and I'm really excited for the conversation we are about to have today. Welcome to the Staying Golden Podcast. How are you doing today? I am doing great. That's amazing. Are you excited for the conversation as well? Let's let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. The very first question I have for you is, can you share a bit about your time at Laurier and how that has influenced your career choices? For sure. So uh, I think that Laurier is a very, uh, if Laurier was a person, they would be very outgoing. They would be very charismatic. Uh, they would be very um, people, people ask people, like a very people person, uh, sort of extroverted. Um, and someone who is, is, is open to, to doing, uh, you know, fun experiences. I think that is kind of like, quote unquote, the, the ideal Laurier golden hawk, so to say. And so, you know, uh, my experience was shaped Go- going into it. Um, I wasn't, you know, this, you know, uh, a, a too, too extroverted. I wasn't very out of my shell, uh, trying new experiences. I, I, I was open minded to, to things, but I, um, I, I definitely didn't, uh, jump right into it, uh, you know, uh, in the deep end. So, um, you know, what Laurie did was change all that. You know, it, it it allowed me to meet people who are different than me, meet people with different experiences, uh, meet people with crazy experiences that are, you know, that they've been around the world or, you know, they lived in this one specific small town or, um, you know, they they just have had like very, very crazy, uh, cool lives. And so, you know, that th- meeting those people and understanding that, wow, there's a whole world out there um, outside of uh, I, I was born and raised in Mississauga. And so that's all kind of what I knew. Um, and so, you know, seeing that uh, really opened my eyes. Um, but the big sort of, you know, shift was, uh, you know, the entrepreneurship community in in Waterloo. Uh, you know, obviously we have Communitech, um, you know, and the University of Waterloo down the street, the, the, the MIT of Canada, as they call it. And so, you know, we have these like great, great, um, you know, sort of pillars that created a really good ecosystem in, 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 in Waterloo, uh, Kitchener-Waterloo. And so, you know, a lot of my time outside of being on campus was at Communitech, uh, meeting with founders, meeting with developers, meeting with, you know, people in that sort of space. Um, 
and really getting an understanding of, you know, what is entrepreneurship? What does it entail? What does it look like today? What are the ideas of tomorrow? And I think that really, really shaped me in just kind of like opening up my mind to this whole new world. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I can totally relate to Laurie and um, you know, just being here exposes you to experiences from different backgrounds. You get to meet people from so many places in the world. And I think that is really amazing. You really just have to take advantage of the time that you have here to network with the community and so many things to come out of that. So the next question I have for you here is, um, so you've graduated from Laurier in 2015 and then you decided that you wanted to become a turn DJ. How did this come about? Like, how do you go from uh, getting a degree in accounting to becoming a DJ? Yeah, so um, I've been DJing since high school, uh, since grade 10. So uh, I've been doing it for for a very long time. And uh, when I came to Laurier, um, you know, I was playing small shows at, at the turret um and uh and at Wilfs and you know uh, in and around kind of the the Waterloo uh region and so you know slowly that all that experience sort of snowballed and then what really made the the big switch was um you know there was a there was a, a team in Toronto called the Toronto Wolfpack there were a rugby team coming from uh expanding like having having an expansion team outside of the UK into Toronto and so, you know, the guy who owned it was, um, I bumped into him at a, at a family event and, uh, you know, and, and I basically, you know, asked him what he's up to. And he's like, yeah, we're starting this team, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and uh, actually we need someone in the music space. Like, is that something that you'd be interested in? And so uh, I always have this motto of uh, say yes now and uh, learn, learn, learn right after. Right. Just, uh, you know, always be open to new opportunities. Um, you know, even if you're not fully, fully, uh, you know, um, uh, sort of perfect for the role at the mm -hmm. very least, you know, uh, you 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 will learn something. And and if you can do the job at least, you know, 80 percent of the way, then you're more than fine. And, and, and you can you can kind of take it from there. So uh, I said, yeah, sure. I'm open to learning about it. So we chatted and basically uh you know this this role which was essentially be kind of like the music director of the team and kind of like the team dj uh at lamport stadium which is on king street in toronto uh 10,000 people sort of small venue uh stadium and um and that's what i did and so that was my first sort of big uh on a bigger stage um you know role and so um you know they were paying more than the salary i had at my at my accounting job and um, my dad was like, don't do it, uh, finish up your accounting, you know, the typical parents sort of vibe. And so, uh, but then I said, you know what, I think, I don't know if I'll get this opportunity again. And I said, yes. And, um, and I quit my accounting role, um, but uh, I got my hours. So as an accountant, you need uh, three years work experience, plus write, writing your exams, and then you basically become a CPA. And so I literally, it was like almost perfect timing. I finished my three years. I got my experience hours um, and then I said, hey, you know what? I'm going to take this opportunity to now go and play for this team. Um, and uh, and then I ended up writing the exam uh, later that year. Um, and I was studying for the exam on the back of a tour bus uh, going, you know, this was now I was kind of touring a little bit with with uh, with with different artists. And then, you know, I, I was studying at the same time to finish up this exam, wrote it and, and passed. So I still kind of always 
uh, had that accounting sort of piece in my back pocket, which has helped me uh, in in future projects uh, like Stock Shock, for example. Um, but um, but yeah, that was the that was the story of kind of the transition into into music. Yeah, that definitely makes so much sense now. And now that I've heard that story, I'm kind of just wondering how you can compare DJing at Laurier. You know, that must have been like a smaller scale to taking it to a much higher scale. Like, how was that transition for you? How did you manage that transition? And how did your time DJing at Laurier prepare you for that transition? I think that, um, you know, um, students uh, at, at at universities or colleges, they really have no no chill. So for them, uh, you know, if they like you, they like you. If they don't, then you're well aware that they don't like you. So I think that playing at Laurier and Waterloo was was kind of this sort of like, um, you know, in, 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 in comedy, they call it the comedy circuit, right? Where you kind of have to like go and play these shows at different places. And like for for people that will be very honest with how good you are or how good you're not, and then you learn from that. And I have, you know, played, I mean, countless shows where, you know, that no one has, no one has showed up, you know, and I'm playing for like one person. Right. And um, so I think that like those sort of things really like help me be a better uh, sort of person in, on, on, like on, on the front stage um, and not being nervous when there was like 10,000 people, which ended up being the case in the final uh, championship game for the Toronto Wolfpack. We sold out, we had 10,000 people there and, and I'm playing uh, for these amount of people, um, which then was, you know, another stepping stone to 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 playing for the Toronto Argonauts, 25,000 at, at BMO Field. And the reason why I bring this up is because, uh, you know, you first have to play for one person before you can play for 25,000, right? And so I think that Laurier was that sort of like training ground of like one, 10, 100, 1,000 people, um, you know, and uh, and then slowly making my way stepping stone so it never really felt like going from one to ten thousand it always felt like this gradual step by step uh so I was never sort of like you know quaking in my boots although sometimes I still get a little nervous when I'm playing here and there but but yeah yeah getting nervous is not all totally but honestly yeah. your DJing experience is it's so impressive I don't know if you could think back throughout this journey and just share like a memorable moment or experience from your time touring as a DJ. Yeah. Um, I'd say the, um, the Justin Bieber, uh, event was, was really cool. So he was, he was, uh, he, he, he launched, um, a brand called Drew, uh, in collaboration with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, uh, essentially I was, uh, I was DJing that at Scotiabank Arena. And so, um, and then lo and behold, uh, you know, he was there, he, he, he came in and, you know, um, and, and kind of did his thing, his Justin Bieber thing. And so, uh, and that was, that was crazy because, you know, I think that like, you know, when you're playing for, for, and by the way, so I think why it was even more crazier is because the first thing he did when he walked in was say, say hi to the DJ. Like he came and he kind of, you know, shook my hand and everything. And I think like, that was like a big moment because, you know, I played for, you know, Daniel Caesar, Nav, uh, A Boogie, um, you know, uh, Roy Woods. I've played for a lot of these artists and, you know, uh, no, no, no uh, down on them as to why they didn't give me a handshake, although Roy Woods did. But the point I'm trying to get at is that, um, you know, it's like you're there to open for these artists. They come, they do their thing. It's a, it's a, it's a job. But once an artist kind of gets, gets like, you know, outside of that, 
that role, that that job, and like really just you know says hi to the people. Especially, I, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, that that was quite quite memorable. And I think uh, I think the the Daniel Caesar show was quite memorable too, uh, because you know he was he's he's a, he's a massive artist. Uh, you know he's won awards. You know on on the grand stage and. Um, and the event wasn't very hype. It was like a very chill sort of vibe. And like, I really, I really enjoyed that. And I really enjoyed playing, you know, tracks that I listen to personally at home. Um, you know, I don't listen to sort of party, you know, crazy tracks, hype tracks at home. That's something that, that I leave for, for the stage. So, um, so that was kind of nice. That sounds so amazing. I was just wondering now, like, how did the COVID-19 pandemic affect your career as a dj yeah so um you know obviously with covid19 everything stopped all live events stopped uh so it was like and at that point i was going on to my third tour um you know and so things were picking up like i was really gaining steam uh at this point i was playing for the the leafs and the raptors for like some of their tailgate events um and uh and like like the ball was just rolling the momentum was there and all of a sudden a big wall just kind of hits you. Um, I think, you know, the number one thing was just kind of being like, okay, no more events. Now what? And I think that in those moments uh, of, of, of you hitting a wall, it's very important to a surround yourself around very supportive human beings and B isolate yourself a little bit to try to like really reflect and get into that introspective mode. It's very, very important to be like, okay, if the, if the question is now what, let's take a step back. Instead of just jumping into the next thing, take a step back, think about what are you good at? What do you want to be good at? What do you want? You know, what, what do you, what skill set do you have now that you can leverage? Um, and so I think that's, that's, that's exactly what I did. And uh, I would spend hours just kind of, you know, in, 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 in the office, just kind of thinking, um, and uh, and it was a good thing I got the CPA because that helped, uh, you know, secure a role at 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 uh, at a startup in Toronto, and um, and that's when I started, you know, really again diving into entrepreneurship in its finest sense. I was employee number ten, so it was a very very small team, um, and then got in there and then uh, started to, you know, really really be a change agent over there and and really start loving entrepreneurship again. During this transition, did you ever at a moment regret becoming like a DJ? Like, did you ever feel like, wow, this transition would be so much easier if I just stuck with accounting? Did you ever go through that moment? For sure. I think everyone, I think everyone did. I think everyone had a moment of, you know, what would have life look like, you know, but we we can never, ever uh, predict the future, right? We just kind of do what feels good and we're good at and 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 we think, you know, we have a hypothesis of this is what makes sense and then we do it. Um, and then shit happens. And then we, I think the, the, the main thing that I kind of took away was A, being very, very grateful that I had the opportunity because there aren't a lot of people that have the opportunity to pursue, you know, something that they're good at um, on, a, on a bigger scale. Um, you know, for whatever, whatever reason. So I think being grateful was number one. And then pivoting, you know, that's the name of the game, especially with the world that we live in today, that is moving at a, at a mile a second, not a mile a minute anymore, a mile a second, you know, having the ability to pivot, having the ability to like 
really adapt to to things as they come through the door is is super super important um and um so so yeah so i had maybe you know a couple of days of like uh you know what if what if uh but then after that i was like okay it's it's time to figure out what's next and and then uh, take it from there and you know let's be honest it's it's almost 2024 that was like 4 years ago right that's a can you imagine someone who was now now someone now who switched something four years ago and was like, you know what? Now I'm going to paint, for example. Now, four years later, they're four years into their career as painters. That's that's massive, right? They say it takes about five years to kind of get to that like level of like, okay, now people notice me. There are a lot of so there are a lot of social media, uh, sorry, uh, YouTube influencers and YouTube sort of channels that started in the pandemic and now they're raking in um, you know, uh profits or whatever. They're they're doing very, very well. Um, because again, they just had a moment, they adapted, they pivoted, they worked, and now they close their eyes four years later, they're, they're in a better place. So, um, so yeah. So, uh, you mentioned that you worked at a startup company in Toronto during the pandemic. How was your experience there, you know, going from, well, I don't know, maybe like a high life of being like a DJ, being on tours and all over the world to, maybe a more solemn life or just, uh, I guess, a nine to five? Like, how did you handle that transition? Um, I think because it was, uh, it didn't feel like a nine to five. I felt like I worked like constantly because a startup always is like a nine, almost feels like a nine to nine at times uh, and the weekends and this. So there were a lot of these sort of, uh, I was really preoccupied with it. And, uh, and I was like constantly learning new things as you know, the company grew and as time went on. So, you know, um, how did I transition into it? Honestly, I just was like, I really enjoy doing what I do and I will just continue doing it. And I never really thought twice. I just like, let it, let it happen. Um, you know, obviously there, there were moments where like, obviously, you know, like you said, like it's a lot different, uh, you know, being in a boardroom, for example, um, and talking to a software developer about something uh, versus, um, you know, being on a stage and and playing a song and like, you know, 10,000 people are like yelling, right. Or, or really just kind of like showing their emotion. Um, but I think everything has its time, you know, and, and if you can, if you can really accept that everything has its time and sometimes things will be bigger than others, uh, like more, sometimes things will be less, sometimes things will never have its time again, you know, or sometimes it might come back either which way, like, that's life. You just got to like go through it and just, you know, and, 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 and that's why people are always saying things like be in the present, be in the present, because it's true. Like who knows if this time will come back, who knows if this conversation will ever happen again. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll never know, but as long as we're here in the present, just enjoying it, we've enjoyed it. We've, we've digest the food and, uh, and, and now we're, now we're good. So how long, how much time did you spend at this uh, startup in Toronto? About two years, I believe. Yep. Yep. About two years. Um, during that time, um, I got married as well. Um, and so uh, basically, um, you know, now we come to, I think it was November of 2022, in which mm -hmm. um, I had chosen to uh, resign and, and embark on a very interesting journey what motivated you to resign and you know take on this journey so 
my uh, my my wife essentially wanted to study abroad, and um, and so uh, it was it was about remember it was about yeah it was about October when uh, when we kind of were thinking about it, and we basically were like you know what um, it's it's October and and she and she was gonna start the following year, so she was she was applying to various universities around the world, and so we knew we were gonna move, right? And so now the question is is you know, do we stay here for another year or do we take this time before, you know, pursuing, you know, higher education to travel and do something crazy? And so, uh, again, as you're well aware uh, of my story, is that if something seems exciting and fun, um, I just am kind of all in. And so uh, I kind of said, you know what, this makes sense. Um, you know, let's we, we won't get this opportunity, you know, like again. Uh, or it's very rare that it'll come again. So let's really take advantage of this moment. And so uh, we basically sold everything, uh, gotten my SUV, uh, gotten our SUV, and then um, basically drove around the U.S. for two months. Um, you know, it was about ten thousand miles on the car, um, and did that for two months. And then we, uh, and then we did a bit of a Asia, Australia, New Zealand sort of uh, tour during that time, and. Um, during this time, um, you know, I, I'm a guy that I, I can't really just like just travel and just do this. Like I always need to be preoccupied with with uh, with 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 an idea or some sort of project. Um, and so that's kind of where where Stock Shock was 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 born. It was like a kind of like things were overlapping. And then finally, it was like the perfect opportunity to to start it. Can you share some of like maybe the events or specific things that actually led up to you saying, yeah, this is it. We actually need to start Stock Shock now. Yeah. So um, so basically um, it all started when um, I challenged my uh, so Yusuf, who's my co-founder, is also my brother-in-law. Um, and so and and me and him have a big affinity for card games, board games. And so I challenged him to 100 games of Monopoly deal. And I said, I can beat you 99 out of the 100 games. And and uh, it was really funny, uh, which ended up being a 60-40 split. He won 60 games, I won 40 games. Um, but uh, we basically started playing Monopoly deal. Now, I don't know if you've ever played Monopoly deal uh, or if any of the listeners have, but it's a very simple, simple version of Monopoly. It involves about uh, 80 different cards. And um, the whole kind of objective is to get three sets of properties and you win the game. And in between, there's like steal an action card, steal this, you know, um, give me money or I gain cash, et cetera, et cetera. Very, very kind of, it's a simple game. And it's, it's, it's one of the games that they consider sort of fast, casual games. Now, we were playing it and, we, and now we're on game like, I don't know, 50 or 60. And if you've played one game that many times, you eventually start thinking, well, what if we change this one thing? What if we change that one thing? Just to make it exciting. It had nothing to do with like, this is bad. It was like, oh my God, I we played this game like 50 times. What if we change this? What if we change that? So that's how it all began is we were just bored with one game. And we said, what if we change a couple of things here, a couple of things there? Now we left the idea. The next morning when we woke up, we're walking and we're still on this idea of like, what if we change this? What if we change that? Um, and then finally, we ended up saying, well, what if we change the whole theme of the game? No more real estate. But 
now we get into stock market and, and investing um, and investment literacy. And that's something that I, I've always been big on is investment literacy. Um, I think that in this day and age, um, you know, understanding how to invest, what to invest in, um, and just the 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 sheer basic fu fu fundamentals and foundations of of investing is so important. It's almost like cooking, like it's like it's necessary for a decent good life in the future, uh, especially how how the economy has been going in the last you know let's say let's call it like 10, 20 years. So um, so finally we we kind of got together and and we said hey you know what let's create a game let's create it. So we ended up creating a prototype, which was literally just blank cards off of Amazon. And we just, with a Sharpie, wrote down what the cards would do. Um, and an Excel spreadsheet that we printed, that was the scoreboard, right? And that was the first version of StockShop. And so now we're playing this game. And then, you know, and then finally we, we were at a crossroad. We said, hey, look, do we actually pursue this thing and actually build something here that, that people can play and use? Or... Do we just build something for ourselves and be happy with it? Um, and we and we chose the former. Well, that's truly like an iron story. Like you just went from playing Monopoly to developing something that could change the future of financial literacy for, you know, the generation. And I'm just wondering now if there's any moment during this, you know, development or launch phase where you kind of just second guess the whole idea or you were at the verge of giving up. So I think that because I've kind of uh, been, um, you know, been in sort of the entrepreneurship space for, for a while, I've always had this sort of, um, you know, like, like I've, I've been, I've, I've seen ideas fail. I've seen this, like, I'm kind of used to that and almost jaded to it. Um, so for me, you know, there, there were some times where I was kind of thinking about, ah, is this good? Does this make sense? This and that. Um, but deep down inside, I think the main the main driver was just finish it. At the very least, just finish it. I don't we don't need to think about this business as a billion dollar idea. Okay. Just get off the high horse. Just finish the game. Have a game in front of you. Do the Kickstarter, launch it, get funded. Like these were just simple, basic milestones that kind of kept me kept us going in terms of you know uh like you know when we when we were kind of like you know iffy about it it was like let's finish it just finish it so um i think that you know of course any entrepreneur always is 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 double guessing you know everything but uh because i've i've seen so many uh you know ideas go down the drain or i've seen so much sort of like rejection and this and that it was all sort of like Eh, it's okay. Let's just let's just put out a really good product, finish it, and and let the world uh, tell us uh, whether or not they like it or not. I mean, I think every single person who has done anything remotely successful, right, or anything for that matter, remotely a a a milestone. Think about those times, right? Like even university, one year at a time, one semester at a time. You don't need to jump to fourth year when you're walking down the aisle getting your diploma or your certificate. You don't or or degree. You, forget about that. Just take one semester at a time. Things that are digestible, things that you can eat. You don't go to you know uh, uh, a restaurant and say I'm gonna this whole pizza I'm gonna eat right now in one shot. No, you you eat one slice at a time, 
right? So I think that taking that analogy and applying it to real life of just eating one slice at a time, that is doable. And eventually you'll finish the pizza. Amazing advice. Um, you are on fire with giving us advice today. So I'm just going to ask one final question that would let you give us final advice for the podcast episode. So looking back at your journey, what advice would you give to yourself as a recent Laurie grad? Try everything and and do things that you feel are, um, you know, that 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 light a passion inside of you. Right. I think that we we fear is such a big deterrent to so many things and everyone can relate to it, even myself. Right. Everyone can relate to fear just deterring you. But I think that, like, if you have an opportunity to do something that really excites you, like, just do it right now, obviously make responsible decisions. Right. What so for some people, what excites them is, uh, you know, cocaine. Right. And they're like, yeah, hey, well, that's, uh, you know, that's great advice. I'm going to try this. No, 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 no. Like that. I'm saying, be res- of course, be responsible in, 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 in what you are doing. Ensure that, you know, you're not blowing all your savings on this thing, you know. But once you have passed that, if you're a semi-responsible person, you know, and there is an opportunity, do it. Like, don't overthink it. Just just try it. Do it. Um, especially when you're when you're when, when you've graduated. Like you have something that no one else ahead of you has, which is time, right? And so take advantage of the uh, of of that and use that time to try different things, get different experiences. Because then within like five or ten years, it doesn't even need to be ten years. Within five years, you'll have such a cool story, and that and those experiences will really play into the next five years of your life, and then the next slice. And the next slice and the next slice. Amazing advice. Thank you so much, Janaid. Uh, we're just coming up to the end of the episode. And I was just wondering if you could share how people could connect with you, um, you know, after this, if they just want to have a conversation with you about your journey. For sure. Um, I would say uh, play at stockshockgame.com, right? Just send an email. Um, check out the game and, you know, uh, and, uh, just play, play like it, it, there's, there's a web app component to it. So you can just play for free online. Um, you know, play a game, just get, get understanding and then reach out to me because that's your token in, into, into, uh, into, into chatting with me is like, uh, Hey, I played a round of, of stock shock and I really enjoyed blah, blah, blah. Great. Now you put in the token in the jukebox and I'm all yours. Uh, so <laughs> play at stockshockgame.com. Uh, you know, feel free to send me an email and, you know, and, and we can we can chat about anything. All right. Thank you so much for your time. It was such a pleasure chatting with you. You as well. Thank you so much.